Kelsey and I'm Lindsay and you're listening to Hobbits at Heart. This is the first episode in our Lord of the Rings series and we're so excited because we're basically just going to talk about all things Lord of the Rings starting with the movies. Yeah so whether you're a super fan or you're brand new you know just keep listening to hear all of our thoughts on all things Lord of the Rings. Ugh, I'm just so excited. I know, me too. I've been, ever since you asked me to do this, I've been so excited. And I like told you this morning, I was like talking to my toast. <laughs> like, this is why I love Lord of the Rings. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, so Lindsay texted me this morning. I'm, I'm telling my toast how much I love Lord of the Rings. I'm rehearsing. <laughs> and it was just the funniest thing to me. It's like someone was practicing for like a presentation at school or something. <laughs> What a hobbit thing to say that you're eating oh. your toast and talking about how much you love Lord of the Rings. Oh, thank so, you. I mean, if people haven't guessed it by now by the title of whatever we end up titling this episode and what we're talking about so far, today we are discussing Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Is it? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I know, now, same. Just to give I you guys... Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, go. I was going to say, I apologize in advance if there's just a lot of squealing. <laughs> yes, yeah, squealing and giggling and yeah. laughing. And my face is already like, I haven't smiled this much in so long. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so exciting. It's such yeah. a good topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I have always, like, I've known that people love Lord of the Rings, but like, I never, I just never got into it. It was never like... Mm -hmm. I dislike this or anything like that. I'm pretty easy to please. I just had never seen them, you know, right. or read the book. So I made it my mission during quarantine to watch them all. So at this point, I have seen all the movies, but I am going to give you my opinions on this movie based off just the knowledge of fellowship and, you know, what I was thinking when I watched just this one, um, just to give everyone kind of an idea of where our angle is. Um, but Lindsay... You've been a Lord of the Rings fan since, for a really long time, since I've known you. You've, yeah. That's one of the things I know about you and love about you. So <laughs> when did you like get into Lord of the Rings? I was probably 11 or 12. Okay. Um, I think, okay, so I have a whole story for how I first. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. Came to love Lord of the Rings. So I was homeschooled and so was my brother. Um, and he was notorious for finishing his schoolwork really, really early in the day. And okay. I was known for pushing off math till the very last part of the day, procrastinating, daydreaming, playing. Like <laughs> I did not want to do my schoolwork, specifically my math schoolwork. Okay. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table, like doing my, my homework or whatever. And I heard my brother watching a movie in his room and trying to avoid doing math. I like, <laughs> I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I was just like trying to be sneaky about it, but uh -huh. I like tiptoed <laughs> into the hallway and like spied on my brother <laughs> watching a movie. 
had no idea what movie it was, but it was The Fellowship. And I can tell you what scene it was when we get there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like peeked over his shoulder and I was watching it and I like instantly was hooked. I was just like, this looks like a really cool movie. And I asked my parents if we could watch, if I could watch it. And they're like, I don't know, it might be a little too scary for you. Um, so my brother showed me like the scenes with all of the orcs first. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you can handle this, you can handle yeah. this. <laughs> like, I mean, 11, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so little 11 year old me was like, I'm not scared. <laughs> Even though I really was. Um, and yeah, as soon as I watched it, I just, I was fascinated. I, I don't know why it hooked me so much, but I watched it with my brother. And then like two days later, I was like, dad, can I watch it with you again? And then I, my brother was actually reading The Hobbit at the time. And I like stole his book out of his room <laughs> and started reading The Hobbit. Actually, I would read it while he was at guitar practice and I would like sneak into it. I don't know why I was such a sneaky 11 year old. <laughs> well, you just like didn't want to get caught. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I read The Hobbit in like three days. Um, I don't know. I just, wow, that's impressive. I loved it. Yeah. So you I, read The Hobbit first. So you like read them all mm-hmm. in order then. I'm yeah. Assuming. Yeah. So okay. I, um, I read The Hobbit and then I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And at the time that I was introduced to Lord of the Rings, Two Towers had already been in and out of theaters. Okay. So then I watched Two Towers after finishing reading the books. And then I watched Return of the King. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. So just a wee little lass of 11. Yes. Yes. And I like, I'm not kidding you. I was obsessed. Like I created my own character. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to hear about this. So my character, her name was Lothariel. Okay. Ooh, that's pretty. Yeah. Coincidentally is the name of my first D&D character in honor of her. Um, okay. That's a side note, but I was a, an elvish uh, archer. Okay. Naturally, I was the love interest of Legolas. Legolas. <laughs> okay. And I, I basically like. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so good. I guess oh, I'm laughing. I basically was like the girl version of like. Excuse me, of Legolas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I just like pieced together, like I would steal lines from like Legolas and Aragorn and Gimli, and I would like piece together my own little storyline. And I would just play oh my the gosh. all the time. That's yeah. so cute though. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I want I would watch that like a spin-off. I'm here oh, for it. Thanks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or read it. Or read it. Yeah, it's like so. You were doing fan fiction before you even knew what that was. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Thankfully, I was still young enough where it was like. Hopefully, it was still cute that I would like run around my backyard with like a fake bow and arrow and swords. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I mean, you know, live your life. Yeah, you do what you want to do at any age. Yeah, that's you know. True. So at the time, was like list your favorite character. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Is he still your favorite character? No. Um, I have a really hard time with this question. I think at the end of the day, Sam will forever be my favorite character. Okay. Um, 
at work, we have this question, like an icebreaker question where we ask if you could be any fictional character, who would you be? And mm -hmm. I always say Sam, um, because he's just like such a unconditional friend and like the mm -hmm. true hero without him, Frodo wouldn't have completed his quest. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's such a wholesome answer. I love it. Thanks. I, I want to oh, I was okay. I want to know what you thought when you first watched it. Like, do you have a favorite character? Yeah. So, you know? when I first watched Just the Fellowship, I was like, okay, some characters that I was like not really sure about in the beginning definitely grew on me towards the end. Just like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting to know them. I'm learning who they are. Yeah. Um, but after watching all three movies, I think that right now, um, Pippin is my favorite. Oh yeah. And like, I think the more that I get into it, maybe I'll like appreciate different characters for different things. But like every time Pippin's on screen, I'm having a good time. So yeah, I yeah. do love Pippin. Yeah. And I don't know why I like Pippin more than Mary, but I just do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no way to explain it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Pippin's a little bit more, um, fun loving. I mean, Mary is too, but Pippin is just very like carefree and yeah, it's hilarious. I was laughing so hard because <laughs> you know, there's all these memes now, Yes, which I now understand. Now you get them. Yes. Yeah. So when Gandalf, like anytime Pippin does anything and Gandalf just like matches <laughs> him, <laughs> he, he yells so hard at him. It's Hilarious. Okay. I'm so happy that I now know all of these memes or that like, mm -hmm. I just understand the references because it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, my God, we are going to sit here forever and talk about all of this. Um, I know. Uh, okay. So we're just going to move into the movie of fellowship. Okay. So just so everyone knows, I literally sat down yesterday, watched fellowship of the ring and took notes. Um, Technically, it was my second time watching it, but these are the notes that I had from the first time. I just needed to like remember the film. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down all my notes. Lindsay took a look at them and highlighted some of them, and we're just going to go through it and uh, talk about my thoughts. And I'm yeah. so excited. I can't stop smiling. Okay. Um, so right in the beginning of the movie, I just didn't realize there were so many rings you know, mm -hmm. but I guess they explain it right off the bat. There are yeah. a lot of rings and I just didn't understand fully. Well, I'll, I'll ask this question when we get to it because it just, okay. I feel like throughout this movie, I would ask a question and then like two scenes later it would get answered. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that works. Um, I fell in love with the music like immediately. I didn't, I, I've never really heard Lord of the Rings music or like the score before. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't, I maybe have heard it, but didn't know what I was listening to, but it's really beautiful. So just shout out oh, to yeah. the composer. Howard Shore. Howard. Yeah. Howard, Howard Shore. Oh yeah. Uh, I love the music. I listen to the music all the time. I also have an epic Lord of the Rings playlist, which <gasps> is only the happy and beautiful music and not any of the. Oh my music. gosh. I'll have to <laughs> uh, listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. I'll okay. You. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I just listened to it before we did this to get into the mood of Lord of the Rings. Perfect. So, Perfect. um, okay. I'm assuming that there is a lot of background in the Hobbit, which I am, which I don't know, but mm -hmm. when, when they show Bilbo Baggins in the cave and he gets the ring, we're just supposed to like accept that he's just like in a cave somewhere far away. 
And then he just like happens to find this ring and like, (laughs) he just like, (laughs) because here's the thing. Don't they say that Gollum was like secluded in this cave far away up in the mountains. And all of a sudden Bilbo's like, Oh, look at this ring. Do you want me to give you backstory on that? I mean, it's in the Hobbit, right? It's in the Hobbit. Yeah. Is so there a way? Just, yeah, it was a, like a loose backstory that a won't loose spoil. Backstory that won't spoil. Yeah. Okay. So Bilbo basically goes on this adventure with a bunch of dwarves, and on that adventure, they end up in the cave that Gollum lived in. Um, okay. I won't tell you more than that. Okay. But yeah. So it, basically, it's funny because Bilbo finding the ring is a very epic chapter in The Hobbit. I okay. will say. But it's a pretty minor part of the story. The story isn't really about the ring at all. Was This is also just a random question. Because obviously, this all came from the books, obviously. Mm-hmm. So was The Hobbit written before Lord of the Rings was written? Or did he go back and write The Hobbit after writing Lord of the Rings? No, he wrote The Hobbit first. Okay. It was meant to just be a children's book. And oh. then once he wrote it, um, he kind of started writing more i think if i remember correctly uh tolkien was a linguist so he started writing elvish and then once he wrote elvish he fell in love with the language and started writing a story kind of built around that and like as he was writing this whole story just unfolded and a lot of the times he didn't even really know what he was writing about wow yeah that's like that i didn't know that that is really impressive Yeah, he was also friends with C.S. Lewis and some other writer, some other fantasy writer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of cool. Those little Tolkien trivia for the day. Yeah, there you go. Um, Okay, so I guess that makes a little more sense and it probably answers some of my later questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at the Shire, the scene where, because, you know, Bilbo sits down and he starts writing The Hobbit is what he's writing, right? The Mm -hmm. story of The Hobbit, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And he writes down concerning hobbits. And that little scene has to be one of my favorites because yeah. first of all, it, it like describes the hobbits in such a cute, beautiful, just like happy way, you know, just like I know. so genuine. And when I saw that scene for the first time, honestly, that is the moment where I was like, I get it. I get why people like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Because I feel the same way. I mean, I will say one thing. That scene is extended a little bit in the extended Oh, really? Edition, so it's shorter in the original cut. Um, but yes, I always say that I'm a hobbit. Like, I'm pretty sure my bio on Instagram says I'm actually a hobbit. <laughs> um I just, I love the Shire so much. Like I want to live there and I just want to be a hobbit. Like that's what I aspire to be is to be (laughs) a hobbit. I mean, I feel like immediately I was like, I think I'm a hobbit. I mean, I love food. I love Mm -hmm. plants. And I thought of you because I was like, oh my gosh, Lindsay is a hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, because I even wrote down, uh, only real passion is for food. And then I wrote, it's me. (laughs) Um, our hearts truly lie in peace and quiet. All hobbits share a love of things that grow Mm -hmm. so wholesome. And I was like, I would live, if I was in this universe, I, that's where I would be immediately. Uh, Yeah. Without even learning the rest of the map. (laughs) I was like, this is where I would be. Absolutely. I agree. And we'd be there together. I know. Oh, how cute. 
Oh man. And then I wrote, so every hobbit has curly hair <laughs> because I they all so. have curly <laughs> hair. Oh my gosh. Um, now this question is one that definitely carries out throughout like all of the movies, but immediately I was so impressed by how they filmed the forced perspective. Like mm-hmm. I know how forced perspective works and I watched the special features of how they do this, but I still, oh, it's still, it's like baffling to me how they actually achieved this with like practical effects and they made it look so good. Yeah. It's so impressive. And then, you know, the work that they did with the size doubles and then how they had to recreate every single prop three times. Yes. They had to do it like big, regular, and small is just like, okay. Props to the Weta workshop. I'm just going to say that right now. I am obsessed with Weta. Okay, wait, what's Weta? What's Weta? The Weta workshop is the, um, the team that did all of the effects. Oh, okay. Like they like hand created all of the armor. They like hand created a lot of the sets and all of the props. Like they are the team behind all of the visual effects. Wow. Well, they and did an excellent amazing. job. Like I know. excellent. And I think even before watching the special features bit about all of this, I was still just like every time they showed Gandalf in that house with anyone, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, how are they? Uh, I just, I don't know. It's just so <laughs> mind blowing to me. Cause like, ugh. I could go on and on and on. I know how it works logically, but like, I still, it's so magical. It it's is. so magical. They, job. they really did an excellent job. And it doesn't look like CGI. Obviously this was like a while ago. So I love how it doesn't look digitized, if that makes sense. Yeah. So kudos, kudos, Weta, Weta, is that what they're called? Weta. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then I decided that's it. I want to be a hobbit. Okay. Then... Gandalf like doesn't know that Bilbo has the ring until after the birthday party. No, he knew he had the ring. Um, I think he, cause, uh, let's see if I remember this correctly. <laughs> I know Bilbo lied to him in the Hobbit at first, but then I think, um, Gandalf okay. was like, nah, you're lying. I can tell because, you know, okay. I guess, but cause I guess Gandalf- it's just the Hobbit knowledge that I'm missing. Yeah, and Gandalf didn't know that this was the one ring. Right. Like he thought it was like a, a fun magical ring. Oh, um, okay. Because when Bilbo's like, I'm leaving and I'm going to give Frodo the ring. And I was like, why do they know that this ring has significance? Does he just think it's magical? Like I was so confused. And I also thought that Gandalf knew that it was um, the ring of Sauron, 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 help me. Mm-hmm. Sauron. Um, but then I realized that he doesn't because then he goes and researches it. And I even wrote that as my edit to my own, yeah. my question. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't know that it was dangerous, which is why they were just like, let's give it to Frodo. He's going to inherit all your stuff. Yeah. Well, I think Gandalf started to, to suspect, and that's why he was like, he started to realize that Bilbo's life was getting really extended because he's 111 years old, you know? Right. Which I Googled. Usually mm-hmm. hobbits only have a lifespan of about a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So he was, but he still looked really young. Yeah. So yeah, Gandalf was getting suspicious and he could see that it was starting to get a hold on Bilbo the way that it got a hold on um, Gollum. So he was okay. like, you need to pass this off 
to Frodo so that the ring doesn't have a hold on you anymore. And then I'm going to go research. And actually, fun fact, when Bill, in the book, when Gandalf leaves, he's actually gone for like a year and a half. So that's... <laughs> That's the timeline of these movies. <laughs> it's a note that I make later on, but I'm I just going to say it now. I have been made aware by like my roommates and you and people that I watch it with is like that. Oh, did you know that actually like three months or six months passed between this scene and this scene? And it's like, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> they do not make it very obvious in the movie. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's yeah. Maybe they were like, it's already long enough. <laughs> Or like Maybe it doesn't already long enough. Maybe it doesn't matter what this timeline yeah. is. Like the story is the same, but I just didn't mm-hmm. realize, I guess, like the, f- like how much of their lives actually revol- like took place in this storyline. Yeah. Um, okay. So Bilbo Baggins had the ring for 60 years, mm-hmm. which I Googled because they don't say until later in the movie, but um, why did the, what I called the Dementor looking things, the ring wraiths. Mm-hmm. Why are they only now coming after Bilbo and the ring? You know, that was something that I didn't like specifically look up. I think it's just that the the power of the ring is growing stronger because when it was with Gollum uh-huh. hidden away in the caves, like it was very dormant, okay. you know? Um, part of the side story that's happening in The Hobbit is that Gandalf goes to deal with this necromancer who actually is like Sauron starting to get his power back. Oh, okay. Um, so it's kind of like over this whole time, Sauron and the ring, like their power is slowly growing. So, so these stories, point, sorry, sorry. These stories okay. overlap the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah. I mean, the Hobbit is like the prequel to. Right. But like in the year and a half that Gandalf is gone, is that in the Hobbit? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, the, oh, Hobbit, okay. the Hobbit is 60 years prior. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Okay. When he gets the ring and everything. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got confused for a second. Sorry. Um, no, that's, no, I confused myself. You're good. You're good. And I did realize that they do say that they like torture Gollum until he says two words, Shire and Baggins. So that's mm-hmm. why they go to the Shire. But I was still like, first of all, how does Gollum know that it's Baggins? Because in this movie, they do not even put them in the same, like, scene mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that's from the Hobbit now that we're talking about it yes <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of my questions are going to be answered by reading the Hobbit or watching or you should read know. it I just I'm gonna say you should read it so. I you're not the only one that has said that so yeah <laughs> I mean it, I already plan on reading the books but if I'm gonna do that I feel like I should start with the Hobbit so definitely we can talk about that later mm-hmm. <laughs> okay but then Gandalf when he's when he comes back after this year and a half and mm-hmm. he's like yelling at Frodo because Frodo's like I don't want to take it you take it and Gandalf's like no I can't take it you must take it <laughs> it's like Gandalf knows what this ring is why does he want Frodo to take it because he's too powerful of a person to have the ring he knows that if he were to have the ring, the ring would be like, ooh, there's this powerful wizard dude. I'm going to control him and then use him to control everything. So Gandalf Gandalf, is he not like mentally strong enough to like withstand the powers of the ring? You know? Uh, I mean, no, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's that's fair. special about like the hobbits. Okay. Oh, interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, he could try, but like the ring is very powerful, you know? Yeah. Okay, and that's He good. doesn't want to tempt fate for himself. But then I just feel so bad for Frodo in that scene because he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to take this thing, even though I don't really know what's going on, yeah. but let's leave. Um, so then they leave the Shire. And again, the music is just breathtakingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they all of a sudden come across like wood elves and they mention that they're leaving to like never come back again. Mm-hmm. And then we like, don't hear about that <laughs> later. I don't know. Why are they leaving? Um, so they're leaving because the elves, like the, oh gosh, this is another <laughs> thing I should have looked up more. <laughs> explain better okay because just so my for my own knowledge <clears throat> these wood elves are like the same type of uh elves as legolas and the sorceress that we see later galadriel yeah, yeah yeah so they're all elves so it's like the race of elves you know they say like the age of the elves was the second age and that's when the elves were really powerful that's when you know they kind of had control of middle earth and uh, they have the ability to leave Middle Earth and go to like the Undying Lands, which I guess could kind of maybe be like heaven. I don't know if you want okay. to put it that way. Okay. But it's a place that only the elves can go or if they like invite someone with them. Um, so they're all leaving. But they can't come back once you go there? No. Okay. To come back. Oh. And I don't know if this is a good place to talk about this, but it kind of relates to your questions later about Arwen. Oh, so maybe I'll hold on to that. Okay. We'll put a pin in that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. But Arwen, is she a wood elf or she another, another different type of there? I mean, they're all where they live. It's just like where they live. Oh, okay. Okay. I just like, I don't know. I don't know. There are probably bigger Lord of the Rings fans than me who like know all the mythology who would be like cringing to listen to this. (laughs) Well, that's okay. We're coming at it from our knowledge and our angle. So it's fine. Um, Okay. So then we meet Saruman for the first time. Did I say it right? Mm -hmm. Saruman? Yes. Who is also known as Count Dooku, which is like really exciting to me because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, So that was kind of cool. And he has really nice hair. The wig team in this movie, which I mentioned later, but like they're really very skilled. Yeah, they are. Really great hair and makeup in this movie. Um, So I feel like maybe I zoned out for a second, but do they really explain like why Saruman Saruman is in white, why Gandalf is in gray and like how they know each other and like what it means to kind of be like a wizard? Are they called wizards? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. They don't really talk about it. Um, but it's kind of like, so, okay. A lot of this information is in the Silmarillion, which is all of the mythology and the starting of middle earth. And it talks a lot about like Like a separate book. Yeah. So it talks a lot about like the gods who created middle earth and there's all these like really epic battles and love stories. And it's, it's really hard to get through. I've read like half of it. Oh gosh. Okay. Everyone jokes about how hard it is to read. (laughs) Um, but so there are five, I think five wizards and they are very powerful. They're kind of like, think of them as like demigods. Okay. Um, and so Saruman the white is the leader and then they have Gandalf the Grey, there's Radagast the Brown, he's in The Hobbit, and then there's two blue wizards who we never really 
hear anything about. Okay. So, okay. So it's Saruman is the leader of those wizards and those are the only wizards in all of middle earth or this universe of Lord of the Rings. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, to my knowledge, unless there's more in Silmarillion, but I don't think so. Okay. So that means that like they go way back because like they're like, yeah, we're two of the only five wizards, mm-hmm. but they haven't, they haven't always been enemies. No. Gandalf and Saruman. No, they were, they're, they're buddies. For okay. <laughs> okay. So then Saruman's like, yo, I have this crystal ball and I saw all this stuff going down mm-hmm. with, uh, the eye of Sauron and we need to help Sauron and Gandalf's yeah. like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be careful with that crystal ball because like, you don't know who's watching. And then Saruman's uh-huh. like, wait, you don't want to join me. I'm going to beat you up and torture you. And then he starts spinning around really fast and circles. <laughs> this is my recap of the scene. And basically it's just like a badass fight between these two characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess the, the, my only question there was like, how do they know each other and like their background? So that kind of got answered in that. So I appreciate that. Um, I wrote, damn, these guys can fight. <laughs> <laughs> wizard battle. Yeah. I kind of uh, wish that there was more wizard fighting. That would be interesting to see. Yeah. Cause a lot of the scenes they show are just like them in their separate places. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. So then they introduce the nine in quotes, the nine Mm -hmm. who each have rings, but these nine rings are different than the rings that they explained in the like beginning prologue. These are the same same rings, Mm -hmm. but how many rings are there total? So there's the one ring. Uh Uh-huh. There's nine rings that go to the men, which are the Nazgul ring rates. Those are the same nine. Seven go to the dwarves and then three go to elves. Oh, okay. I think in my brain, I was just thinking like, there's nine rings. And then when I heard that these guys had nine rings, I was like, but doesn't, what's her face have a ring? And okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, nine rings that go to the men. That's got it. Mm -hmm. Because they, yeah. Oh God. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) There's so much. And like, I'm just, we could talk literally for hours about this. We already have been talking for probably an hour. So, (laughs) um, so then after that, Aragorn is introduced. Uh, Yes, he is. (laughs) Here's the thing. My first thought of seeing Aragorn was why have I only heard about Legolas when Aragorn exists? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's funny because I think I wrote somewhere like in all caps, like, oh my God. Yeah. Aragorn is so hot. And Viggo Mortensen is a dreamboat. My God. (laughs) I think like, I know (laughs) as a kid, I feel like Legolas was more attractive. Like to me, like Aragorn was like an older man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're older now. They, they know what they were doing. They have the different generations to look out for there. Exactly. And I, can I just say like watching the behind the scenes, ah, Yes, Mortensen is the coolest (laughs) guy. Like, I just want to be his friend. And I just want to hang out with him. (laughs) I didn't realize that the way he speaks as Aragorn is just like the way he speaks in real Mm -hmm. life. Like, it's all down here and I'm just going to talk without really showing any facial expression. And uh, it was so much fun when we were in the canoes. And (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's very deadpan. It's so true. (laughs) 
Like, and in the, okay, sorry, this is tan, getting on a tangent, That's but okay. in, I was just watching the two towers behind the scenes mm-hmm. and he and Dominic Monaghan have this whole like joke back and forth. Which and character is Dominic Monaghan? He's uh, Mary. Okay. Mary. Yeah. So they have, you know, these jokes back and forth and they're both doing a bit, but separately <laughs> from each other. Cause it's during their interviews yeah. for the behind the scenes. And Vigo is so deadpan. <laughs> You can barely tell that he's doing a bit or that he's being sarcastic, Uh but I feel like that just makes it so much better. Yeah. I was just like shocked to see what his personality was like outside of the movie. I don't know why, but it was just so funny to me, but to, uh, I just really like, I really like Aragorn and me too. I think cause when I was younger and I even made a note of this at the end, just titled the men of Lord of the Rings, because this is Mm. what I was talking about. Um, when I was younger, I was a huge Orlando Bloom fan because of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And I had heard about him as Legolas, but I was like, oh, I, I think he's cuter in Pirates of the Caribbean because I've only seen pictures of him, you know, as Legolas, but I never really heard of Aragorn. So I think I just assumed Legolas was going to be like a bigger part in the mm-hmm. movie. So I was kind of shocked that Aragorn was like, you know, <laughs> the heir to Gondor and like, yeah, like such a huge part of this movie that I never really heard of before, which was exciting. Um, but I also was like, oh, this is, he is fine. Yeah. I'm- I also feel like Vigo is a much more underrated actor. Like he's such a good actor. I don't know if yeah. you saw Green Book. I um, no. uh, he's But he's so good, but he doesn't do a lot or at least not a lot of mainstream movies that yeah. I'm aware of. Um, I have to look so it I up think- because I wouldn't mind yeah. watching him and few more oh, things yeah. although he's probably like much older now but like whatever so am i i don't know he's still very handsome don't um, you worry <laughs> okay good good um this note made me laugh because i don't know why this bugged me so much but the fingernails in this movie <laughs> i laughed at that one too first frodo's fingernails are so short you know when yeah. some people just cut their nails so short it just looks painful and then they show uh saruman's fingernails and they're like so long i was just like and dirty yes yeah i don't know i just thought it was so funny but um okay so then gandalf sees the little moth who i thought was so cute and he like tells him a little (laughs) secret and then we meet arwen and the other elves in rivendell Mm -hmm. the house of elrond the house of elrond or also known as red skull (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's right yeah yeah do you know about how the books are different from the fellowship and have you heard of like tom bombadil and i don't know anything about the books okay can i tell you a little bit yes please yes (laughs) go for it so i don't know how important this is to the podcast but whatever (laughs) um there's this whole other part of the story that peter jackson just completely took out which is understandable it's really long and not necessarily important to the story okay but when Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin leave the Shire, they actually had this much more elaborate plan where they like moved Bilbo or sorry, Frodo out of Bag End and they like went to this hobbit hole like on the edge of the Shire and they were going to like quietly sneak out. Um, but then the ring wraiths like come and they have to leave more suddenly. And it's actually a really freaky scene in the book. Um, but then they go through this forest and they meet this character, um, Tom Bombadil, okay. who is this 
really like random guy who befriends them and takes them in and he puts the ring on and it has no effect on him he doesn't disappear like he like really couldn't care less about (laughs) it um and yeah it's just there's this whole story it's where um mary and pippin get their swords and that's part of why mary can defeat the okay this is getting to be too much i don't know why i brought this up (laughs) it's just really interesting (laughs) it's like there's a whole other like half's worth of adventure that like just completely got deleted um wow that was worth mentioning well yeah thank you i'm it makes me excited to like read the stories because Mm -hmm. usually i'm a fan of reading the books before like watching the movies like harry potter or something that's the biggest one i can compare it to but with this type of story that is like so foreign to me it now i think reading the books will be easier and then i'll be excited to see scenes to read scenes like that where i'm like what they took this out of the movie what the heck yeah so i get to rivendell which is the most beautiful place i've ever seen gorgeous (laughs) it's like fall mixed with winter but like beautiful i don't know it is so pretty um and then we see bilbo again and he's aged properly because he doesn't Mm -hmm. have his ring and that old age makeup is excellent um and this is when i said the timeline is way longer than i thought at this point how long has it been since they left the shire Um, because it's also the same sorry Oh, go ahead. It's also the same amount of time that like Gandalf was like being tortured or like Mm -hmm. missing. Yeah. I I mean, so like according to the books, I think it's been at least a month, but uh, I guess like if that didn't happen or the way Peter Jackson says, it's like, you don't know what didn't happen. We just didn't show it. Right. Um, I guess that's true. Yeah. So I guess it's been like a month or like at least a few weeks. Okay. Dang. So long. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Then I learned more about orcs and goblins, which are different from each other. In the Lord of the Rings world, no, they're actually the same. The same. But Urukai are different. Is different. They're the ones coming out of the mud. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's basically I think they the reason they did that is um it's like Saruman is like torturing them and like breeding them to be these like super Oh, intense. I just thought they were just like being born like from the mud. Like that's just where <laughs> they come from. That's why they had to dig all those get rid of the trees, they had to dig down, they made the whole like they industrialized the forest and then yeah. bam, they got Yurikais. I don't really get it either. <laughs> Yeah, that was the only thing that I was like, ew, that's kind of gross, and I don't yeah. really get it. Um, okay, so then we meet Ned Stark, also known as Boromir, and mm-hmm. Legolas, which is exciting. And we learn that the elves are all going to leave Rivendell. And is this yes. the same type of like voyage that we learned about earlier? Yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, it answers that question. Yeah. And the age of men is coming. They keep saying the elves are leaving. Their power is dwindling. Oh, like just in general, like Mm -hmm. then they're just not going to exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, dang. Except for the few who decide to stay behind. Okay. So, uh, it's been like 3000 years since the beginning with the ring and the finger and the chopping and the building. (laughs) 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 But Elrond has not aged at all, which means that elves 
because they're immortal. They're immortal. Yeah. So they don't age or yeah. they take a very long time. I mean, because obviously he didn't, he wasn't born looking like he was 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I guess they age to a point and then they just live forever. <laughs> or they age until the, the age of elves is done, which is. Yeah. Okay. This is making so much more sense to me. Okay. Here's the question. Now we're talking about Isildur. Is that how you say mm-hmm. it? Isildur. Isildur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isildur. Like a sealed door. A sealed door. <laughs> so he was the last king of Gondor. Mm-hmm. Why was there not a king after him? Because with him, like it's the line of the kings, which is the bloodline of the Numenor, which is what Aragorn is. He's part of that bloodline. Okay. So after Isildur. Um, he was murdered by orcs. I remember that. So yeah, they um, had, uh, what do you call him? Uh, orcs. Oh my gosh. No. No. What are uh, you talking about? Stewards, stewards, <laughs> stewards of Gondor, who we meet later, <laughs> yeah, you know, have been kind of like ruling in their place, but they're not actually the bloodline of the king. So at the time, they didn't know that he had a bloodline. Like, why would they have not started ruling right after he died or continued to rule? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't realize. I think I forgot that he was like murdered. So I was like, why does he... Does he just like not become king anymore? But he died, so that answers that I think question. he probably didn't have a son and then like no one else from, they thought the bloodline just ended, but it, oh. like, there so were like, still other people with got it. the Numenorean blood in them, obviously because Aragorn has that. Right, okay. So which brings us to Aragorn and <laughs> Arwen. Mm-hmm. So now this is all starting to make more sense. So I think I maybe answered this question, but partially. So they obviously are in love. They're an item. And Arwen wants to choose a mortal life mm-hmm. so that she can live with Aragorn. Yes. And I'm now understanding is because if she does not choose the mortal life, then she will have to leave very soon. Yes. Right? Instead of just living past when he dies, <laughs> she like won't be near him at all. Yes. So and I actually did a little bit of a more of a deep dive into this. Oh, yes, please. I've never really understood it. So there's this whole tragic romance that happens between the characters of Baron and Luthien. Okay. Luthien being an elf and Baron being a man. And when they fell in love and had a daughter, um, they began this race of like half elves. Okay. And so basically the gods told them they could choose to either be, so they had two sons. They could choose to either be elves or be men to be immortal or to be mortal. Okay. And Elrond's side of the family tree, <laughs> essentially, okay. chose to be elves, whereas his brother's side chose to be men. And that's where the lineage of the kings came from. So oh. Arwen also can make the choice of, I'm going to choose to no longer be immortal because it's this choice that they were given okay and so that yeah so when she sorry uh when she chooses (laughs) to be this is making sense okay so by her choosing not to join them on their pilgrimage i don't know what else to call it Mm -hmm. uh, that's her saying i'm choosing a mortal life Mm -hmm. because i thought with the necklace and everything 
I thought that was like her immortality. Immortality was like in the necklace and she was like giving it to Aragorn, like I'm mortal now. But that, that was, was just, symbolic. No, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched it through, I was like, oh my God, what is the necklace? And wait, what? She's she's immortal. I was so confused, but this is now yeah. making more sense. I was always really confused by that as well. To okay. Be honest, which is why I specifically was like, I'm going to look this one up. Yeah. I mean, and thank <laughs> you for looking it up. Cause that actually helps me so much. Yeah. Um, I want to know so much more. This is so dangerous, Lindsay. <laughs> I know you're it's... creating a monster. I hope you understand this. <laughs> Join us. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, it's only seven 30. I have so many hours of the night to go research Elrond and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay so then we move on to boromir and his weird obsession with the ring like all of a sudden when we meet him he's here's what i wrote because it's so funny boromir is obviously obsessed with the ring but why is he an easy target daddy issues <laughs> now here's the thing sorry go go so that made me laugh so hard when i read it <laughs> i mean i know that he has daddy issues because of watching the later movies, but at this point we of don't know course. that. So I was talking to my roommates about it and they were like, I think he's just a little more like weak minded in the sense that the ring has more pull on him. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense. But well, and also as we find out later, you know, Gondor is failing and they're facing war. And so to him, he's like, you know, the ring is powerful. Like we can use it which right. is exactly the type of person that the ring would prey on because it wants to be used, wants to be used and not destroyed. Yeah. I think it's, I need to wrap my head around the idea that the ring has its own like stream of consciousness, mm -hmm. you know, like it, yeah. it's controlling them. And I get that it's controlling them, but like that it actually has like a mission and it wants people to do certain things instead of just like being this magnet, you know? Yeah. Like it's more alive than just the magnet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the movie of the extended edition, if you were watching this on like DVD, this is when the disc would end and you'd have to go onto a new disc. So we are going to finish this episode here and continue the rest of it in part two. However, um, we just have a couple things to go over. So Lindsay, is there anything else that you wanted to add that we kind of like missed in the first half of the movie? I just feel like there is something that is worth bringing up. <laughs> okay. Because this is one of my biggest beefs, similar to they both could have fit on the door and Titanic. Yeah, oh, a whole okay. Another conversation. Oh my gosh. But when people say <laughs> that they all should have just called the Eagles and flown to Mordor, and then the, like it would have been so easy, I have a beef <laughs> with those people. Okay, what? <laughs> I just pulled up my sleeves of my sweater <laughs> like I'm going into battle or something. Okay. Um, okay, so for one thing, Sauron would have seen them flying in. Okay. You know, they had to do that whole, this is skipping ahead to Return of the King, but they had to do this whole elaborate battle <laughs> to like draw sorry, the eyes so away. <laughs> and like, Sauron would have seen them and sent the ring race in the Nazgul on their little dragons yeah. to get them. Okay. So right there, you're wrong. <laughs> Secondly, the eagles, while they are friends of Gandalf's and they do save him in a pinch from time to time, they're like these higher beings who like really could care less what's going on 
with humans unless it's like a super dire situation, which they realize at the end, like, oh God, the world is about to end if we don't intervene. So we're going right. to finally intervene. Oh but, gosh, I'm like forgetting all of this. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. This might be, you know, this no, is that's okay. Tangential, but I just feel like it's worth. Yeah. Because we get guessing. introduced to the eagle. Right. Mm-hmm. And at this point we're like, okay, Gandalf has a friend. That's like a really cute moth, little moth man. <laughs> and then the moth is like, I got you. Let me go get my friend, the eagle over here. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So then Gandalf pulls one of the, like, oh, I'm going to jump off this ledge, but you don't know there's an eagle under me. Gotcha. And then <laughs> exactly that's all like that. we know. <laughs> that's all we know about the moth and eagle. I just assume that like, oh, Gandalf's a wizard. So this makes sense. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because so many people are like, why didn't they just call the eagles? And I'm like, it wouldn't have worked. But they do. Sorry, this is like jumping way ahead. They do call the eagles for like the battle in the last movie, right? They don't call them the eagles just at that point. They are in it. They're like, hmm, this world is about to end if we don't intervene. So we're going to go down. I guess we should help. These poor little humans. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know that was like a thing. It's a thing. And it just is worth addressing, I think. Thank you. You are welcome. Oh my gosh. So before we um, wrap up this first part, we actually, I do have some questions from some listeners that wanted to know our thoughts on Lord of the Rings. So this first one, um, they would like to know which scene is each of our favorites. And you can't say the whole movie because that's cheating according to them. And I know I already kind of mentioned... I don't know if it's my favorite scene, like overall, because I'm still so new to it. But like the one that stands out is really the opening, the, um, when they're talking about the Shire and who, what hobbits are and stuff. I think that's still like so special to me, but what's yours, Lindsay? It's hard for me to pick favorites. So I, I'm going to kind of cheat and go with two. So okay. also the beginning opening, you know, the Shire scenes slash like the wedding scene or no, not the wedding scene the birthday party scene. I oh, say the yeah. wedding scene because I want my wedding. To be like, the most party. like I have a Pinterest board. Stop it. Oh no. Uh, like I wanted to have that feel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Thank the wedding you. scene. <laughs> <laughs> For my future wedding, whenever that is. Um, and then also, which we're going to get there on the second disc, but um, the scene between Gandalf and Frodo in the Mines of Moria, you know, the classic epic line where Gandalf is like, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. Uh-huh. That whole part. Uh, I just, I'm a sucker for like a good quote, you know? Yeah, no, that is a beautiful scene. And when I watched it, I had a thought, this better not be only in the extended edition because this is great. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, 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 that's in. Okay, good, good. Oh, you know, it's such a great scene. So, okay, great choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Minds of Moria, we're going to get there because I have questions. (laughs) Uh, That would also be my other like section. I love the Minds of Moria. Okay. Like that's just probably my favorite section of the Wow. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, next question. And we'll just make this our last question for right now. Oh, and wait, just kidding. There's this, this first question was a two-parter and I didn't read the second part. Um, talking about comparing and contrasting the theatrical release versus the extended edition, which is better to start with. And then they said, again, this is amazing that you guys are doing this. (laughs) Um, we kind of talked about this earlier because I've only seen the extended edition, but I must say being, 
someone who is watching this for the first time, I thought it'd be kind of cool to watch the theatrical release first and then go in and watch the extended edition to kind of like expand the knowledge, like get introduced to it in a condensed way, then expand mm-hmm. on it and then like realize like what you're missing. And then you yeah. never have to watch the theatrical ones again because now the curious side of me wants to watch the freaking theatrical release so that I know what's cut. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. I've given this some thought and I think think that it is better to watch the theatrical cut. If you have it on hand, I will say I only own the extended edition. So if I'm showing it to someone for the first time, that's what we're watching. That's what they're going to get. Yeah. That's what they're getting. But I know that, you know, Lord of the Rings, it is really long and that can be really daunting to Mm -hmm. new viewers as well. So I think it's better to watch theatrical cut. Hopefully they fall in love. And then therefore want to continue with right. the extended edition. Because the extended edition, it really does build out the story and the characters a lot more. Yeah. Um, and it does answer a lot of questions like along the way, which is mm-hmm. excuse me, great. But if it's like an end all be all, like obviously extended edition. All the way. No question. So there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to start with theatrical and go into extended, which I don't know. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't do that. So if you're listening to this and you've never seen the movies, which spoiler alert, Sorry. <laughs> we went into a lot of detail, um, try watching the theatrical and then, and then watching extended. I think it might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next question. Um, my friend Joe wants to know about the practical event effects and how they hold up to today's standards. Um, do you know what, what year these movies were made or years? Uh, early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think, I know we mentioned it earlier, but I think the practical effects are pretty damn impressive. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's something that you'll notice when you watch the Hobbit, if you watch the Hobbit, mm-hmm. they didn't use as many practical effects. Cause like when you have those orc or orakai, like those are actual people in the full prosthetics, prosthetics yeah. you know? In The Hobbit, they did a lot more digital effects. Okay. And you can tell it just doesn't, like the feel is just different and it's Uh, not there. And I feel like using the practical effects helps Lord of the Rings stay good. Yeah. the ages. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) I think, yeah, because in this sense, like practical instead of special, like digital effects, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the force perspective they did, almost all of it was, um, uh, practical, I guess mm-hmm. is what the word I'm looking for. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the special features, they say something along the lines of like why they chose to do so many practical effects and less digital effects because they wanted it to look that real mm-hmm. with like the actors in those scenes. So anytime they could put both actors that were different heights in the same shot, they were going to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. hearing something about this. So like the use of like so oh, body doubles and different mm-hmm. props that were like all the three sizes we talked about earlier. I just think it's phenomenal. And like, why did I not know about this until now? That's what I wanted. Yeah. Know. I, yeah. Oh, oh, I know. So amazing. That's why uh, I could, I really could do a whole thing on this, like the behind the scenes, because I love the behind the scenes almost as much as you love the movies. As the movies probably equally okay. as much. Like there's the amount of dedication and work that they, and like such attention to detail Mm -hmm. that they put into every single piece of the sets and the props and the costumes and everything is just 
unbelievable. Yeah, like, I will say. I, uh, uh, no, you're right. <laughs> I watched so I watched Fellowship of the Ring, and then I watched the uh, Two Towers, and then I watched special features from Fellowship. So going into Return of the King now realizing how they did all these special effects, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a body double. And that's this. And they filmed that Mm. this way because you can just, I like appreciated it so much more. My favorite thing to point out was all the like miniatures. Yeah. (laughs) Like the buildings, the bigatures, (laughs) the bigatures. Um, It's so amazing. The detail that goes into it. So if you all want to hear it, I, Lindsay and I want to do an episode on just the special features because oh there's so gosh, much. So, let me lose. <laughs> honestly, we should just do it anyway because yeah. it's fun. So, oh gosh, so great. I think this is a great place to stop and kind of wrap it up for today because there is so much more in the rest of the movie, which we just don't have time to cover all in one episode. Yeah, so tune in next time where we're going to cover part two of The Fellowship of the Ring. Speak, friend, and enter. We'll be discussing The Minds of Moria. (laughs) Seriously, Lindsay, this was so much fun. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to Hobbits at Heart. Bye.